Hey everybody, welcome to the Legacy Podcast. My name is Bill Dupenthaler. And I'm Mike Conan, and this is a podcast for disciples who want to make disciples. Well, hello again, everybody. This is Bill Dupenthaler here with Mike Conan. And we are so glad you're joining us on the Legacy Discipleship Podcast. And we have been going through the book called The Master Plan of Evangelism. And this is one of my favorite books um, in in all the world on this topic of discipleship. Uh, and, and of course, you know, that's what we're all about is is this idea of of being disciples who make disciples and living out the Great Commission. And, and um, there's nobody that talks about it any better than Robert Coleman. Don't you think, Mike? Uh, Jesus does a pretty good job. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and that's yeah, exactly true. Which is why Robert Coleman does such a good job because really this this whole book is is essentially it's a study on the four gospels and and it's and it's asking the question, what did Jesus really do? You know, yeah, we know he came and lived on earth and he did some miracles and and he talked and and then and and then of course in the end he he died on the cross for us, which is incredible and that that was his ultimate mission. But but during those three years of his ministry in particular, exactly specifically, what did he actually do and how did he focus his time and and what was the 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 focus of what he was trying to accomplish during those during those years and and um, Robert Coleman would say that. The master Jesus plan, the master's plan for evangelism, for reaching the world, was uh, discipleship, and was to invest in these few and and then um, teach them how to do what he was doing. And so that's what we're talking about. And yeah. and um, and and I love this chapter. We, we're we're going to focus in on on the second chapter today in in, in the master plan of evangelism, and and it was. This chapter was all about this idea of Jesus calling people to be with him. And, yeah. and you know, and we've talked about this a lot uh, over the last couple of years. But, but uh, you, you know, when Jesus would approach people, uh, what was the number one thing that he always invited them to? You know, when he, when he would when he, when he find somebody, what would he say? He'd say, come follow me. I mean, come that follow was it. me. That was it. Come follow me. And, and. And, and that's the message that he that he had for everyone was come follow me, and and it was not come be a convert to a new religion. It was not uh, subscribe to a set of certain practices. It was following a person. It was following Jesus, and that was the call. And and that's what his men did, and and he and he called. He called these these twelve guys in particular uh, to be to be the ones that 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 he would be the closest to, and he made it a practice of of being with them. He was with them all the time. Well, you you nailed it too, and this is a central part of our teaching. You know, we talk about the threefold path of discipleship. That that first thing is calling you know, and being invited. And the second thing is to be with Christ. And so they kind of go hand in hand. You know, when you're called, you're called to be with Christ. Then the third one is to be sent out, you know. And so in this one, we kind of see both where we see this calling part, this invitation part. Uh, But it also is pretty clear, you know, they're being invited into something. And that something is to be with Jesus. 
Yeah, yeah. I remember, like, um, my background. I I grew up as a as a Catholic, and and so I, uh, as a child, I I I I had a lot of information and 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 wonderful training, and and uh, and I knew a lot about God, and and I certainly was a good person and practiced all the things. But I remember the 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 day. It was actually an, an evening when when I was in bed one night and I was thinking about this this whole idea of of God and my faith and all those kinds of things and and I I prayed a little prayer because and I still remember I mean I was I was probably fourteen maybe fifteen and mm. and and I remember praying this prayer Lord I've I've always known about you. And, and I've always believed in you, but I've never really known you, uh, hmm. at least not in the way that these people are talking about, that, that, that had been telling me about this personal relationship with Jesus. And, and, uh, and so I, I remember praying this little prayer, Lord, I want to, I want to know you and, and I want to follow you and have you be in my life. Like, like these, these people are talking about and, um, and then I rolled over and I, I went to sleep and, and that was it, you know, and I, I didn't really tell anybody about that prayer for a long time. Hmm. But I remember after that, um, my, um, my hunger for the Lord changed. It went from being an academic thing to like, I was hungry. I wanted to learn more. I started reading my Bible a lot more. I started getting involved. I was just going into high school. So I, I discovered this, uh, this, this group called Young Life. And I got involved with that and, and just had this, this deeper desire to, to be around people that, that, that knew Jesus and, and, um, and it changed my life. But, but it was, it was not about more information or not about more training or classrooms. It was about following Jesus and, and really, and really knowing him. And that made all the difference for me. It became personal. You know, that's, that's kind of what happened in your faith, it sounds like. It became personal. In other words, it wasn't just an abstract theory or something you would study or just something you would believe in that was afar, but it became uh, a relationship, something that you uh, wanted to cultivate and wanted to experience more of. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 exactly. Okay, so... So if, if the whole idea was, was for this to be very personal, uh, how did Jesus um, implement this? Is, you know, did, like, what, did, what did he really do? I think, I think Mike, you had, you had uh, um, underlined a couple of, of, of lines in, in uh, one of the pages that, that kind of talk about this a little bit. Well, I, I think one of the things that stands out, of course, is that um, rabbis were very common at the time, you know, and we've talked right. about this at nauseum. I'm not going to go down the whole rabbit hole again, but the way that Jesus did it was not common. It was not common to take your pupils outside of the classroom. It's kind of like the first time you see dead poet society, you know, where, and again, if you're young, apologize. That's a reference to an eighties movie, uh, but uh, where Robin Williams becomes his teacher who go, gets super creative, takes kids out of their everywhere and starts opening the world to them. And that's kind of what Jesus did. Um, there's a great line in here on in page 37. He says, having called his men, Jesus made a practice of being with them. This was the essence of his training program, just letting his disciples follow him. 
And again, if we were to read the whole paragraph, we would talk about the contrast between all the others around. But this was the essence of Jesus's ministry was his disciples being with him uh, and following him. Uh, Pretty interesting um, path to go down in comparison to a classroom setting where guys get out your books. We're going to memorize this and which was a very common practice. In fact, Jesus did this uh, and we know that Jesus was the son of God and he was the word of God incarnate. So I'm sure it was somewhat easier for him to uh, already know these things and truths. But uh, the way that he speaks so almost all of his teachings come directly from the Old Testament. We know that he knew the Bible backwards and forwards. And we also know, frankly, that his guys knew the Bible pretty well, too, because in their teachings, we see, you know, Old Testament references. So we know that they studied the Bible and it wasn't like he didn't teach it. But his went well beyond the classroom, well beyond the theoretical, well beyond the mind into, hey, let's do life together. You know, yeah. let's go fishing. Let's go yeah. on hikes. Let's yeah. let's go and and really do life together. You get to see how I live and and I want you to see how I delight in life and the challenges I have in life and how I handle those. And yeah, uh, it's it's real life on life stuff. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about. Um, the the amount of time that Jesus spent with these twelve guys, you know, you kind of think, you know, like, okay, Jesus, you know, you've got the whole world to reach, you know, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe it's time you ought to move on and uh, and 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 find find a new group and or, or at least get a get a bunch of groups going. But yeah. but but he didn't. Uh, here's a here's a little line from the book. It says the time which Jesus invested in these few disciples was so much more by comparison to that given to the others that it can only be regarded as a deliberate strategy. It had to have been a deliberate strategy. He actually spent more time with his disciples than with everybody else in the world combined. Hmm. So. I mean, I mean, this either either he well, I won't even say that like it just it was it was a strategy. It was it clearly was a strategy. So here's the question. Um, What does that mean for us as as we're talking about this idea of of being disciples who make disciples? Well, first of all, what does it mean to be a disciple, a learner uh, following Jesus, following somebody um, when, and by the way, uh, and we, we talked about this just before we started the podcast, like who is the call to is the, is the, as, as, as we, we talk about discipling is, is the call to the invitation to follow Jesus or is it to follow the person that, that is, uh, discipling you or, or, or to put it in reverse as we speak out, speak to people, are we inviting them to follow us? as our disciples, or we invite them to follow Jesus as his disciples? Well, that's, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> if you had to pick between the two, that would be tricky. What would you pick? Well, yeah, it is, it is a really interesting thing because, because we all know our own faults, right? And we, and we know, we know that, that there's there's plenty about us that 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 uh, we don't want people following. Like, like, don't follow that. Don't do that. Uh, so the idea is we point people towards Jesus, and ultimately we want them to follow Him. But 
uh, didn't Paul say that that uh, people were to follow him as well? Yeah. Well, I, I, that's in Corinthians. Follow me as I follow Christ. And uh, I, it is pretty fascinating to think, like, and again, this is as it relates to incarnational ministry and those things where we think about, well, yes, people's call is still today to follow Jesus. Jesus beckons and says, yeah. come and follow me. Yeah. Um, and it almost sounds weird for, for us to be saying to you, you know, that should be your ministry too. You should be going around to people and saying, you, come and follow, follow me. Follow me. Yeah. It doesn't seem, you know, like we have quite the cred that Jesus had or... Uh, but I want to say that the answer probably is somewhere between the two and both in the sense that, you know what, let's follow Jesus together, uh, you know, or, or something along those lines. Because in some way, people need to be led. People, you know, sheep need to be shepherded. And of course, we know that Jesus is the great shepherd, but then he works all of us as his under shepherds, you know, who who work on his behest too. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think, think that, the, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I, I think though that this is, um, this can be a real, um, stumbling block, I think for people. And we've heard it. We've heard people say this to us, you, you know, that, that I don't know if I could be, you know, a leader of men or a leader of women, uh, if you're a woman, uh, and I, I, I don't know if, if I could be somebody that, that, um, would be somebody's mentor or, or that I, that I would have disciples just because I, I, you know, I mean, like, who am I? I, I'm not, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not, I'm not good enough to do it. I, I'm not prepared. And I think that's one of the main reasons why, why we don't see this happen very often. Well, I would argue if you say that, then you're probably the most qualified person out there. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, you know, and, and Dan Allender talks about that. That's one of the key characteristics of a godly leader is not thinking of yourself as a leader. <laughs> and to to have that, you know, just like all the other people did. Moses didn't want it. David didn't want it. Uh, Jesus, of course, embraced it, but didn't. He kept telling people, don't tell anybody. And yep. the disciples, you know, as we talked about in the last podcast, they were uh, people who were were overlooked by everyone else. Uh, that's who Jesus invested in. But they were eager, and they were willing, and they had big hearts, as you might remember us talking about last time. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a sense where if you don't think you're qualified, you might be perfectly qualified in the sense that you have the humility then to trust God's spirit to do the work instead of the arrogance to think, man, I have it so together. People should be following me more. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. And I, I, and I, and I love that, that quote from, from first Corinthians 11, follow me as I follow Christ. And, and with the, the implication being that we're going to do this thing together and, and, um, and, you know, yeah, follow me because I, I am the one that God's, called to be, you know, kind of leading this thing. And, and if we've got a little group or whatever, or, or even if it's just a, a, a person that you're meeting with, but, but don't, but, but don't think that I'm Jesus because I am like, well, like I, I love the quote from John the Baptist when they said, are you the one? And, and, and John the Baptist said, I am not the Christ. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. amen. I'm not the Christ. <laughs> 
You know, as you're reading that, Bill, though, when you're talking about Jesus investing in these disciples, I found the tension in being brought back to different times when I was pastoring and how I found myself frustrated because as a pastor, you're kind of called to invest in the people that are in your flock. And and I remember when I was called to pastor, that was someone asked me, what is the, you know, what's the thing that you're least excited about? And I said, well, it's being around churchy people all the time or Christians yeah. all the time. Uh, and, and in some ways, the reason for that was the church had lost its sense of mission. And in other words, it doesn't excite me to be around people who want to study intricacies of doctrine or, or, and not that we don't study doctrine, but intricacies of doctrine and, and navel gaze and debate all kinds of little secondary issues on everything to death. Uh, that doesn't bring me a lot of energy. And or hearing same people, same problems all the time, so they just can't get beyond their own problems. Sometimes you want to just say, "Dude, get over yourself," or "Lady, get over yourself." Yeah. Uh, so yep. in some ways, I was a terrible pastor in in those senses. Like I didn't enjoy that stuff at all. But if I was around folks who were like these disciples who'd signed up for it, you know what, Jesus, we're going to follow you, but we know uh, that this is going to go somewhere. Uh, I, I could see that bringing me a lot more energy as a person, too, knowing that my ultimate goal here, and everybody knows it, is for you to invest in others. And yeah. I'll invest in you because my expectation is that you're going to invest in others. And yeah. this is how we're going to change the world. Yeah. But just investing for the sake of being better, whatever. I don't even know. What it, I don't even think it's a better disciple if you're not investing in anybody else. So I don't even know what it is. Like, So you know more? You know, yeah, so you're, more information. Yeah, so you can, you know, get in more debates and fights with other people in the church. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's, it is really interesting because if it's true that, that this idea of, of spending time together was a deliberate strategy by Jesus, and, and really it, it just doesn't even seem possible that it was not. Um, then, then I would think that that he would want us to be doing that same thing as well, and and yeah. if, and if that was the the plan, if that was the strategy, um, man, it, it, you know, again, you talk about being a pastor, uh, and, and and you and I, we talk to a lot of pastors and 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 a lot of people in in different churches, and and um, we, I don't see this happening. And and I don't see a lot of a lot of this this idea now. Now most churches seem to have some sort of small group ministry, and they call them life groups or whatever, you know. But but um, but I don't know if I really see this this kind of discipleship happening in many churches. Well, I to give churches credit, the type of discipleship we're talking about here, we're together with Jesus. That does happen a lot, and they do call them life groups. Um, I think it's meant to mean that you're doing life together, but right, sometimes right. it feels like this group is together for the rest of your life type of thing. You know, like we're not really going to expand. We're not really going to go out. We're not really, no, this is it. We're honkering down for life right here. You have a life sentence and uh, in a good way with these guys. And yeah. so I see what you're saying. The tension being, yes, there's quote unquote discipleship where people are growing in Christ together and with Christ, but it's that third part of discipleship that's missing that he might send them out. 
Yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't another quote that I really liked in the book on this was the the quote on page forty two. So far as we know, no not one unbelieving person was allowed to see the resurrected Lord. And I don't know why, but I just looked at that and I thought, you know, that's really powerful and profound. Jesus had his guys and ladies. Uh, and they mm-hmm. were the people who embraced him and followed him. Uh, and and he didn't, he he was around others while he was alive and those things. But when he was resurrected, it, it was for his people. And the, Jesus had a special relationship with his people and still does to this day. It's different. And I think that's so important because I think that's one of the things that we lose today. And it's the same thing we've been saying, but it's important to catch this. Jesus wants to have a special relationship with you if you're his follower. Uh, it is not the same as, uh, and one of the things that's a pet peeve of mine, and you probably do this, Bill, so don't get mad at me, but I don't like it when people say that everybody's a child of God. Uh, because I think that's a special thing in the Bible given for people who are followers of Christ to become children of God. In fact, it's very clear that we become children of God by the Holy Spirit's work in us. And so whenever we say everyone's a child of God, we are missing out on this important principle that we've been talking about so long that Jesus really loves his people. Yeah. And he really cares about his people and he spends time with his people. Whenever we say everybody's his people, we're cheapening it. And I don't think that's the case. And so part of what I'm on the lookout in, and we're on the lookout at Legacy is first people we're looking for are lost sheep. Who are his people that are not in fellowship? Who are his people that are mm-hmm. not growing together in Christ? We want to gather those people together. And then beyond that, if, of course, if somebody uh, you know, comes into our, our fold or, or our radar or our goggles or whatever we see, uh, God leading, then we, we want to see others come. But I think that just reiterates the same point is God has a special place for his people. And we never want to forget that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, this this idea of, of um, us trying to trying to do what Jesus did um, and 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 um, spending time with people. There's a little little quote here from the book. It says, "Building men and women is not easy. It requires constant personal attention, much like a father gives to his children. This is something that no organization or class can ever do. Children are not raised by proxy. The example of Jesus." Uh, would teach us that it can only be done by persons staying close to those whom they seek to lead. Staying close to those whom they seek to lead. So I guess my question is, um, it, just from a practical standpoint, um, like how do we really do this? I mean, I mean, how do people live it out? I mean, I, I think most people would say, well, I'm way too busy. I've got way too much going on just between my family and my job. Uh, in our house, uh, I mean, like, yeah, maybe I could, you know, lead a group for uh, once a week or something or once a month. But, but uh, I mean, th- this idea of being with people and, and, and really uh, investing in, in, in us, in, in even one person or, or in a, a small group of people, um, uh, I don't know, that's, that's, a, that's a difficult, uh, like it says in this book, it's, it's not easy. It's a difficult thing we're asking people to, to consider. Well, and what would it look like right yeah. today? What would it look like? That's what you're asking. The bottom line, what would it look like? Not that this call isn't there, 
But what would it look like to do life with somebody today? Do you have to sell your house and all move in an apartment together? You know, like I, I've heard of people that have tried that, like where they decide, you know, let's all live in the same neighborhood. Neighborhood, right? Yeah. And then you're like, well, that doesn't seem right. We don't. We're, we're not supposed to develop holy huddles. You know. It's, yeah. It, that doesn't seem like the right idea either. You know, like I, I'm no offense to monasteries and those things, but I think that there certainly are benefits, uh, but. I don't think that's the call. You know, it's like the call seems to be in the world, but not of it. And so if you're creating your own Christian world that you never get in the real world, you're never going to evangelize anybody. You're never going to have an opportunity. You know? Right, like, right. But but so, he's clearly but he's clearly saying that that um, that, that you need to be with people and invest in them personally, um, you know, and, and and I mean, let's face it, we. We we don't see a lot of evangelism happening uh, in in many settings. I mean, obviously there is evangelism happening in, in in many settings too, but in the settings where it's not happening, I would venture to guess that there's not a lot of discipleship happening either. I agree. I'll give you a couple of examples of things that I I found to work, and then you tell me what you found yeah. to work. Uh, one is, and I know this is cliche, but just doing stuff together, uh, and. And by that, I mean like the, the regular Christianese stuff where you actually get together, you study the Bible, you pray, you talk about your life. And that actually really is a way for us to do discipleship. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, I know it's the normal way and I know it's the traditional way, but there's a reason it's the normal and traditional way, especially if we're not going to live together. Getting a regular time, where it's whether it's once a week or every other week, where you're spending an hour or two. I've got a guy who spends five hours a month uh, with his guys, but they only do it once a month. But it's five hours, and it's it's intense, you know, and it's fun, but it's life, and it's study, and it's all these things that are, are rolled into it. And, and by the time that they roll out of there, they really feel like they're closer to each other. Uh, so one way, I think, is just do the traditional thing. The other thing is to do the unconventional thing. And the unconventional thing that I've also tried to practice is, and it's quite simple, is just ask for help and, or, or help others. You know, that's the other way. You know, either way, where you're jumping in, a guy's working on his car, and you're like, you know what, I could help you. A guy's working on his house, mm. hey, you know, I could help you. A guy's working on a project, you know, I could help you. A guy's got something going on, hey, I could help you with that. And, and then all of a sudden, you're, you're working tools side by side. And that can be uh, pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, and so a couple other things that that I've found um, in, with this this whole idea, uh, man, we are so um, cursed and blessed at the same time by technology and social media. But, yeah. Oh man, uh, what a blessing uh, it can be, and 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 some of the some of the groups of guys and individuals uh, that I'm that I'm with, <clears throat> man, we're together all the time. Uh, via uh, social media and and um, maybe texting groups or threads uh, and and uh, through zoom calls and and uh, facetimes and sometimes it's just a short little uh, message that that maybe the Lord 
you know, gives you a verse or two and, and, and you, and you text it to somebody, Hey, I was thinking about you today and I hope this is encouraging, but that kind of thing, it's, it's pretty amazing. And, and, um, and I, and I liked what you, the way you were describing that Mike earlier, just, just what you what the things that you just said a second ago. Um, like for example, uh, I, I've got, I've got like a whole bunch of people that, that I became very close to while, while Jody and I were living in France and, yeah. and I currently live in Tacoma, Washington, a long ways away from Lyon, France. And yet uh, I'm together with um, two different groups of, 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 of those people um, every week on Zoom and, and with a, a whole bunch of others of them uh, periodically and even regularly on, you know, by these other methods. And, and sometimes we're talking about Jesus. Sometimes we're studying the Bible and, and, and sometimes we're, we're just, like you said, just talking about life and, and whatever's going on. But that, but that's a, that's a really cool thing. And then the other, the other thing is, is, um, I like this, um, near the end of this chapter, it says, uh, there is simply no substitute for getting with people. And it is ridiculous to imagine that anything less, short of a miracle, can develop strong Christian leadership. After all, if Jesus, the Son of God, found it necessary to stay almost constantly with his few disciples for three years, and even one of them was lost, how can a church expect to do this job on an assembly line basis a few days out of the year? So there's simply no substitute for getting with people. And I think the other thing that that I have found in, in, uh, particularly in, the, in these last couple of years um, while zoom and, and social media and all those, all those kinds of things are great there is no substitute for getting with people in person and um, hmm. and 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 man I have been trying to really work hard at that and 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 we we take that really seriously um, in legacy for, for those of you that, that don't know. I mean, we've, we've been obviously in a, in a pandemic the last couple of years and it's been really hard, hasn't it? To be, to be personally together with people, but, but this is such a priority for us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess, you know, if I were to give my last thought on this, um, one of the quotes I like was similar to the one that you read and it just said this, if Sunday services and membership training classes are all that a church has to develop converts into mature disciples, then they are defeating their own purpose by contributing to a false security. And if the new convert follows the same lazy example, it may ultimately do more harm than good. And I, that was just a strong work. It's coming out of the church and stuff where we did that. And, and I still believe in those things. And, and the book actually is saying those things are fine. But... What he's also saying is that is that's laziness. Yeah. That is laziness. What you're doing is you're saying instead of giving you me, I'm going to give you a class, or instead of giving you someone else, I'm going to give you a proposition. Instead of giving uh, meet you uh, someone to come alongside you who's a real person, I'm going to give you some sort of principle. And uh, I think. Boy, it's really challenging, but I, I do think this non-discipleship is laziness thing. There, there's really something there that is a yep. whole other thing to, to unfold. As I'm doing the seven deadly sins, the one that I'm saving for last is sloth, largely because coming out of the pandemic and just seeing how things are unfolding in around us, I think this is something that a lot of us are are dealing with, and so it's um, 
but I think of laziness in discipleship. And boy, he just calls it what it is. It's laziness. <laughs> when you, uh, that's good, but, so when you say that you're doing the seven deadly sins, for those that don't know, you have another podcast <laughs> where you're talking about those. Like You're not actually actively doing the seven deadly sins. You're well, talking I am about every them, day, on... unfortunately, but I repent. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, but you're yeah, talking on my about other podcast. them, yeah, on your other podcast. <laughs> on <my> other podcast. <laughs> just to be clear, yeah. But uh, sorry, yeah, you just, you just caused pride to swell up in me. I have to repent now. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're you're all good. But uh, but yeah, this it, it it really is huge, and 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 this this thing of of spending time personally with people is is huge. Um, it's one one of the reasons why why um, uh, man I'm praying that that this pandemic gets over as soon as possible so that we can get back to France. And in fact, I was talking to a, a guy just a couple hours ago in France, and I said, "Man, I wish that we were together because I'd be giving you a big hug right now because I miss you so much, you know." And and um, and, and so I can't wait to get back to France and 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 uh, see those guys personally. And and we and we. We try to get around different parts of the country whenever we can to go see people personally, and we try to get in our car and drive an hour or two or three or four to see people personally, and then we use social media and 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 technology as well. But um, we just want to encourage you guys. We know that the things that we're talking about here are not easy, and we we know that that um, it's challenging. We know that it takes sacrifice. But we know that this is also what Jesus did, and and we know that that this is what Jesus is calling us to, and um, and I guess we, just just to encourage you to go to the Lord and ask Him what this looks like for you, and and yeah. and and listen to Him and, and 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 what He would maybe say to you in terms of like how you can live out this idea of of both spending time with Jesus and spending time with others as a discipler and as a disciple maker. Amen. Yeah. Well, thanks you guys for listening. We appreciate it as always. Uh, and, and by the way, we would like to get this book into your hands, the master plan of evangelism. I'm going to hold it up again for those of you that listen or watch on uh, YouTube, you can see this. Uh, the Master Plan Evangelism. If you would send us a, a, a financial gift uh, to Legacy, uh, you go to ourtruelegacy.com, and, and we just appreciate everybody that is able to support us and to support this ministry. Uh, we would send you this book for free, and we just want to get this into your hands. In fact, you know what? Just ask us, and 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 honestly, we'll get you this book. We want this. We, we want you to 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 be, understand what's going on here. But we, anyways, uh, we uh, we're just so grateful for the opportunity that we have to be a part of your lives, and and and, and we're so grateful that you take the time to listen, and and uh, to be a part of this podcast, and and we'd sure appreciate you sharing that as well with other people, and and. Um, and we're excited to just continue this process of, of, of following Christ together. So let's continue just to be disciples who make disciples. Amen? Amen.